Welcome to It's a Girl's Life. I'm Charlotte Wasserman, a real 17-year-old entrepreneurial teenager. And I'm Sarah Anderson, a certified life coach for teens and young women. And we are the creators of It's a Girl's Life podcast and community. We are super passionate about personal development, living authentically, and empowering girls to build real confidence to chase after their dreams and live their best life. We are all about keeping it real and are so excited to have you on this journey with us. Today, we want to invite you to join our corner of the internet for girls who want to learn how to let their truest self shine, build resiliency, and take action for themselves first. Feel free to subscribe to It's a Girl's Life on your favorite listening platform. Let's jump in and get real. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the It's a Girl's Life podcast. It's your co-host, Charlotte Wasserman, the real teen co-host of this podcast and the founder of It's a Girl's Life, the nonprofit. Today, we have the part two recording with Amanda. She is an amazing guest. If you have not listened to part one, you're truly missing out. You got to pause this episode and go listen to that before you listen to this. In today's episode, we talk all about creating a product from zero and the lessons learned while balancing college and entrepreneurship. Amanda is an amazing guest. So enjoy and always keep it real. Now fast forward to now we're back. You're at WashU and you're like, okay, this is going to become a thing. And now we're going from blogging to marketing. Yeah. How did the product come into place and how was it received? And, you know, yeah. how did you have the the courage to actually, like I said, at the beginning, take action to start a company versus it stay an idea? Well, I think a key part of that was I wasn't doing it myself and I had a co-founder. Yes, it was my own mother, but regardless of what the business is or who the founders are, I really firmly believe in having a partner to do it. And it's just a much different journey if you're doing it on your own. I think for the worst, but I'm sure there's other competing um, perspectives, but the way that we moved forward is we actually tested a product category that required no upfront inventory investment. So we weren't taking a risk and like putting money into something that we didn't know if it was going to sell. We basically got proof of concept from our blog. We saw that people were interested in dorm decor. Again, today you could do that through like one poll on Instagram. <laughs> you don't right. need to like do a whole thing for it, but um we got our proof of concept. We started figuring out how are we going to create our own line of bedding because what I was looking for didn't exist. We couldn't just go buy it from somewhere. It was having to be completely like made um, on our own in cool patterns. And we had no experience in textiles and um, I'll go there in a second. But where we started was a, a line of posters for your wall. And it was every single letter of the alphabet, think of each letter being its own piece of art. So I would put my initials on the wall and each letter was unique. And we had designers at my mom's company kind of like take on a letter and create a piece. And then we carried that in every single color that we could think of. So you could put um, your school name on your wall, your initials, one letter, whatever you wanted. You could spell a word. And that was our first product line. Um, so they were all printed as soon as someone ordered them so that we didn't have to invest in it. Mm. People liked them. 
And that's how we first started sharing that there was product available on Dormify. And we started to build a email list and a customer base and all of that. And it was definitely really small at first, but all along that um, same timeline, we were uh, figuring out how to create textiles overseas because you can't really create textiles in the US at the right price point for a college student. Mm -hmm. So that was a long process, but I think the takeaway from that is we had no experience. We figured it out. We didn't take no for an answer. We essentially didn't have Mm. a website or a business card and just said like, here's our idea. Do you want to be a part of this to help essentially get our foot in the door and figure it out so that we can grow from here? And are you willing to take that risk? And we did find someone who was interested in our like passion and determination and like idea that allowed us to take the next step forward. So while that manufacturing partner was only a partner for a year for that one line, it still was our stepping stone to get Mm. customers in the door, revenue generating, and ultimately will help us, did help us to find who our next partner was. Um, But what that betting line was, was a few different patterns that were very, um, not what you would put on a bed today. Let's say there was like a houndstooth pattern. There was a butterfly pattern. There was like a chevron, I think, just all very bold graphic prints that like a graphic designer would make, not like a textural bedding type of look. So we had a minimum requirement for the amount of fabric we could run since we were doing prints. And what we had to do to like invest in this product was cut it up into many different pieces. So we would take that, um, let's call it like a Moroccan print and we would make it a duvet cover, a set of sheets, a shower curtain, a bed skirt, pillowcases. Like we had to just get resourceful and creative because there was minimum a minimum yardage for fabric. And we held on to that inventory for a fairly long period of time, which is fine, but I'm getting a little bit long-winded here. So we we did design the line of bedding, we cut it up into different pieces, and then we actually went out and bought um, a few different accessories from other brands to help build a one-stop shop because that's what the original intention was. So we got pillows and blankets and storage units and Um, other like small accessories so that we had a full offering and we were just buying wholesale and um, selling through our own site. And that was the very beginning of our product line. Wow. So was this like you were now what year at WashU? My junior year, I had that bedding in my apartment. I had bedding from the same set of patterns my senior year as well. And I don't think we had a new collection. Sorry about that beeping. Um, I don't think that we had a new collection until maybe a year and a half or so later, but it was it was a totally different cadence. Um, but I think important point is that my junior year, we, my apartment was dormified. Wow. And yeah. so did you have like friends that were like, oh my gosh, Amanda, you're a college student and you're you have a company and we're like sleeping in your sheets, like all of our rooms are decorated or was it like, how was it seeing the reality become or the dream become a reality? 
to be honest, like looking back, it still was almost like a hobby to my friends. Like they were like so close to it that it wasn't totally legit to them yet. Like our apartment looked great. My friends that lived with me, they didn't have dormify bedding actually, but friends of mine and other campuses that were into interior design and like maybe the brand ambassadors, they all had dormify bedding. Um, so I remember like I would go to uh, Greek life events and I'd be like passing things out and I enlisted friends of mine to come help me spread the word on campus and stuff, but it still felt like a, like, oh, dormify, we know that because of Amanda, but like, what is this? But I think a lot of co uh, companies that start on campus, even if you think about Morning Brew, I don't know if you guys subscribe mm -hmm. to that newsletter, like they started around the same time as me on um, I think at Michigan and yeah, no, I think you're I remember right. someone like passing that newsletter along to me and I'm like, Oh, just like another person trying to be the skim. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. But now they're a yeah. huge company. So, totally. um, you just in the moment, like can't separate what's going to be big from what's, you know, just kind of like a side hustle. And it felt like a side hustle at the time. Um, until I started working on it full-time after I graduated. Moving forward, now that, like you said, once it was not just your hobby and you graduated and it became like your full-time career gig. Uh, gig, yes. What was that transition like? Was it, um, did you have like any part of you that, you know, we all have this like inner critic, which we'll get to, cause it's one of our questions that was like, you know what, Amanda, like just throw in the towel, like get a real job do what everyone else is doing was that ever part of like a thought that you had or were you so driven to be like no this is I'm gonna make this happen and like this is my job I kind of didn't think about it <laughs> I I just like kept going I guess yeah. I didn't stop and think about like ooh, I need to make a decision I kind of just kept going and saw what happened and um I don't know if everyone could necessarily be in that position. Like maybe there's a financial component that like doesn't allow you to actually choose a path, but something that I did experience during my time at college that I think is somewhat of a surprising thing to hear is I did a couple of other internships. So I got to like experience other things mm -hmm. um, while Dormify was even underway. I decided I wanted to learn about PR because I thought I liked PR and I did a few weeks of a PR internship and I was like, mm, no, no, <laughs> I did both, but like, I didn't like it. So yeah. um, before we really like pursued Dormify, I had a great internship that I really loved. So that was a really important thing. And I took that leap of moving to New York for the summer after my freshman year when zero of my friends did that. And I kind of mm. accelerated into adulthood which I'll never turn back on, like one of my favorite summers of all time. So highly encourage freshmen to do that instead of going back to camp as much as I love camp. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, on the weekend. I can relate on that experience, but I think I'll be going back to camp this summer. Yeah. <laughs> well, this summer, but maybe next oh, summer. Oh, next summer. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it's up year. in there. Yeah. So, but to answer your question, um, I kind of just went with it and I tried it out and the transition was okay, what is like my role look like now that I can do this full time? I was kind of like designing some stuff and writing blog posts and just 
the business itself was moving a lot slower um, because I was in school. And at the time I was also connecting my senior thesis project to Dormify and kind of like spending time on something that was more um, not real <laughs> than mm-hmm. tangible. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it was an easy transition. I think the years after that and really like developing the company and, and making it a legitimate company was the transformative time. But for the first year or so out of school, it still felt like the very early stages. So if I were to compare that to someone starting a business now, it was almost like we had a very elongated like test period uh, mm-hmm still determining product market fit sort of period. And then we really hit the ground running with um, how we were building the company and marketing the brand in a grassroots capacity. So Mm -hmm. like with a lot of like the brand ambassadors and that was like your, was that part of the grassroots initiative? One of the key things that I think really helped us establish share in the market was um, doing trunk shows at people's homes. Mm. So two fun stories that are like my favorite things to share about the early days of Dormify. So first during the summertime, we would um, identify hosts in all of the key markets around us and in cities that we knew pretty well. So those hosts would be someone in the senior class that had influence, um, had a large group of friends, was definitely someone that was going to like organize some sort of event. The person who organizes the spring break trip is the person Mm -hmm. that we went to. Mm -hmm. So we would have them basically create an invitation for a shopping party for their dorm room at their house. I would rent a car and pack it up with all of the stuff from our office. And we would drive all around the tri-state area. I'd go down to Philly. I'd go to DC where I'm from. I even flew to Florida once, which was hard. Um, And we would essentially like build an entire trunk show pop-up model in someone's basement or living room. And then we would sit with each person there one-on-one and help them design their room. So that was how we started to establish relationships with customers and their parents. And that was how we organically had people spread the word about Dormify to the point where people were calling us to say, I want to host a trunk show. I want to host a trunk show. And then it it got like to a point where it was unscalable because I was just driving around all the totally. time. <laughs> um, but it was fun. And it was like my way of really understanding what um, these students were looking for in terms of design and like what was important to them. So I think it was really important. Um, and that's kind of what led us into developing our pop-up shop model, which I can come back to. So that was one really fun thing. And then the most fun thing is that we would crash senior spring break because we were thinking like what is the place where students that are going to college are all where are they like yeah how do we reach them at scale yeah they're at floor bama yeah well we went to the bahamas but (laughs) we went to the bahamas and we had neon dormify tank tops that we would just like literally sneak on to the all-inclusive hotels property because we weren't staying there and we would go hand out the tank tops and introduce people to dormify and then a lot of the parents were staying at a different hotel so we would stay where the the parents are and like schmooze with them and (laughs) introduce them to the yeah that is great so that was 
very fun and something that I don't do anymore, but I would love to do it again. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Cause there's kind of two clients, right? You have like the parents mm-hmm. have to invest and then you have the, the college girl that is looking, you know, she's the one that's going to pick out what she wants her dorm to look like. So that's genius. But I think the takeaway is like, you're not going to build a brand by just posting Instagram ads. Like you need to actually uh, like interact with the customer, get to know them. Like, I don't know. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Oh, I agree so much. And what I found so interesting by your story is that you know, you didn't do the thing that everyone is doing right now. Like everyone has created some sort of a, like, even if it was during quarantine or not, just like a business. And the first thing they would do is create the Instagram profile and try to find their like target audience. And like, they just did it all online by never really talking directly to people and starting up small. And I think that's obviously how you grew so strongly over time, because you went directly to the customer and were able to talk to them one-on-one and kind of grow from there. So I think it's really interesting to see how to really like create a successful business from going directly to people that matter the most, which is the customers. Yeah. And getting creative and like, just, you know, thinking outside the box, which is something that Charlotte and I talk about a lot that with our listeners being a lot of, uh, entrepreneurs as teenagers, a lot of them are thinking outside the box and starting their own companies at such a young age. So you're someone that they can look up to, to be like, oh, she, you know, maybe I'll think of this different way of doing it. Or there's not just like one way to make a successful company. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's about putting in the hard work and like, it's a grind and it's not for everyone. Like, I don't, I don't know if most of my friends would um, put in like the physical aspect of this, like heavy lifting and just doing stuff. That's not easy and figuring it out, problem solving. Um, it's okay. If it's not for you, it's just not for everyone. So you can't expect that things are going to just be handed to you. Mm. Right. I agree. And I definitely think one interesting thing to note is that even if you aren't someone who wants to start their own business or something. That doesn't mean like you're not an entrepreneur. I think like you can be an entrepreneur of your own life and learn how to take control of your world. And, and a lot of the things just that I've been learning from entrepreneurship is a lot of things that apply to actual life. So even if you don't want to like start your own business, that's okay. This stuff still applies to anything you want to do. And even if Mm -hmm. that's something else. So I just wanted to make that one note. Yeah, that's, Super important. And I think also um, just to add to that, you don't have to come up with an idea or start your own business to be entrepreneurial either. Like there's the Charlotte, like you might be the type of person that wants to work at a place like Dormify or work for me. And you might not have an idea, but there's so many startups where you can really be right there next to a founder or part of a founding team and kind of have that same exact experience. So there's, the point is that there's a lot of opportunities to be in that sort of environment. If that's what gives you energy. Yes. I agree. But Charlie, you're going to have so many ideas. So don't even, (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. The ideas come out. Like there's a list of them and I keep just adding to them all the time. Like I feel like I'm an idea constant generator. But we talked about six ways to live an empowered life. And now we have Amanda as our guest and we're going to ask you, Amanda, 
specifically your uh, personal um, opinion on these six tips and how you implement them in your daily life. So the first tip that we came up with was uh, become your own biggest cheerleader versus your own biggest critic. So in the work that I do with teens and also Charlotte, being a teenager is that, you know, we can be our own worst enemies and talk ourselves out of applying to that dream school, starting that company, like we are almost nicer to everyone else around us or everyone else's hype girl than we are ourselves. So how would you say that you have learned to be your own biggest fan and really practice um, what you preach to other people? It's very hard. (laughs) This is not meant to be easy, Um, but this is such an important topic. I mean, I'm still working on it. Like it, there's no point in which the work is done. Um, therapy has really helped me and like talking about how normal it is to be in therapy or have a therapist or be excited about that is also very normal. So I didn't really know what that felt like to be your own biggest fan for a while. And I started working with a therapist a few years ago, maybe like five years ago, I was dealing with something personal, but I ended up bringing a lot of my like career and work stuff into the conversation. Um, but I think having someone to talk to, to kind of like reflect your thoughts and help you get to the, the point that you need to make about being your, your own cheerleader is really important. Mm -hmm. Something that I'm currently talking about with her is, um, how I balance my time and mm-hmm. something that we're talking about is it's so, it sounds so simple, but like, it is something that is literally homework to me, but splitting your day and balancing between work, love and play and love is really self-love. So, mm-hmm. um, love that. the way that I'm trying to live my life right now, this is real, is spending eight hours a day sleeping because sleep is important, eight hours a day working, which jury's out on whether that's realistic, but we'll go (laughs) with it. And then eight hours on um, both like self-care and your loved ones and friends and family. And I definitely... I definitely need to improve that last part. Like I spend too much time on work and not on my own self-care. And I think that's one of the best things that you can do is dedicate time to yourself. So I meditate in the morning before I start my day and that's cliche, but it really helps. And (laughs) I think when you find those things that really like feed yourself, it just helps you balance everything. It helps you really focus on um, loving yourself first and foremost, and how that then spreads into everything else you do. Um, so I, as of recently, literally in the last few weeks, meditate in the morning for 10 minutes, I journal and say whatever's on my mind for 30 seconds, like little things that go a long way, um, have helped me. So I love that. And I love the point that you said about that. It's never ending, right? So there's not like a destination where suddenly you're going to be like, oh, I only treat myself, you know, perfectly. And now I am my own biggest fan. It's going to go back and forth and it's having the awareness. And like you said, maybe someone outside of yourself to talk to where they can point that out to say like, wow, Amanda, it seems like you're really hard on yourself. Like, let's explore that. 
So I just love that you highlighted that it is a process and the brave part is actually starting to look at that and realize like, I do want to be nicer to myself because how do you chase your dreams if you're constantly critiquing yourself? And I've fallen off. Like I've done nothing for myself for periods of time. And you have to like have your own self-awareness to say, I actually need to go find what I need to support myself. And that's part of, that's part of it is being able to like say, this isn't working. How do Mm. I fix it? Being aware and just knowing that this isn't and accepting that this isn't how it's supposed to be. I think takes a lot of like resilience and grit too, just to yeah. realize that and realize that maybe you do need help. And I think that it's really powerful that you, again, as Sarah said, it's, it's a continuation and work over time, but yeah. just that you and yourself knew that you could reach out to help and get that help that you need. Like, I definitely think like therapy is yeah. a great source for anyone who wants to work on themselves and I was just reading, I was just reading something from the guy that started, um, Twitch relevant. And it's just true. Like every celebrity, like important person, business person, everyone that you think has it all together definitely doesn't. Mm -hmm. And they, the most successful people lean on whatever that self-work is that they need to do. So, um, behind every, like, Uh, externally successful person that you look up to, they have the same type of struggles. Yes. And that's actually like the point of our organization, right? Is, is highlighting that and keeping it real. So the younger generation can witness that and see that as that that's not, it's not real with what you just see on paper, or like you said, just like the Instagram post. So I love that you're being vulnerable and sharing as someone who someone could look at your Instagram or could read your 30 under 30 Forbes article and be like, wow, Amanda must be like happy all the time. And she's perfect. And all these things that we project. Right. So I love that point that like, we're, you know, Charlotte and I's goal is to help get rid of that, to bring more realness, to talk about, um, the nitty gritty and like the, the grit and the part that's like the behind the scenes. So Totally. As you can tell, we love Amanda and we love our interviews we've had with her so far. So we hope you guys enjoyed the second part of this series. Third part posting in three weeks. Make sure to definitely keep yourself alert in the next two weeks because we will be dropping out that promo code so you guys can shop at Dormify, get all your dorm needs, and get a percentage off, which is always amazing. We always love promo codes. Again, Amanda was an amazing guest. We can't wait for you guys to listen to part three. If you missed part one, you probably were a little bit confused at the beginning of the episode. Not to worry, just go back and listen to that part as well, where we talk about the life before Dormify. So yeah, this is very exciting. Part three is going to be all about all about how to live an empowered life while balancing both entrepreneurship and a regular person's life. We go into specific tips on how she really manages everything because she is truly someone who does it all. So get ready for that. Post it in two weeks. Be there. Always keep it real as you know. And we are just super excited. Make sure to connect with us on Instagram at It's a Girl's Life Org. And Sarah's Instagram will also be left down below. You can also sign up for a coaching call with Sarah. And yeah, that's all that we have for today. Hope you have an amazing day. Always keep it real.